You're listening to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode 110, sponsored by Jim Hanley's Universe and the Netflix. Welcome to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode 110. It's a lot of episodes. I am Josh, and I am here with Ron. Hey. And Connor. Hello. We're very polite this week. <laughs> yeah, well, Hello, that's man. how we like to do it. I do everything like human resources. <laughs> and at iFanboy.com, we like comic books. And if you like comic books, that's okay also. And we read them, and you could read them or choose not to. That would be fine also. And every week, we read a bunch of them, and then one of us will pick the one that we think is best. And that doesn't necessarily mean that your choices are less valid, but we make that choice. And then we talk about it uh, on the website where you write a pick of the week, and then you come here and we talk about that. But we also talk about other books because we have an inclusive environment. Um, before we get to the show, we want to warn everybody so as not to spoil it for anyone that we'll be talking about the books from this week. So if you haven't read them, we wouldn't want to ruin them for you. Please come back later, and then you can join in uh, like everybody else. Because we want to include um, everyone. We do. Yeah. Um, and I hear what you're saying, and, and now I want to listen to what Ron has to say. And I'd like to thank you for letting me talk. <laughs> God, I'd kill somebody if somebody talked to me like that. <laughs> Josh, do you have do you any questions? Talk about no my questions? <laughs> Does anybody have any questions? Do, do either of you have any questions before we get started? No questions. <laughs> I have no experience with HR recently. None at all. Okay, well then. Um, so, so this was an interesting week uh, because uh, two things happened. One is that I counted up the number of books that I bought from Marvel and D- DC separately and the number of books I bought from other publishers, and the other publishers actually outweighed the Marvel and DC books, which I thought wow. was interesting. Unfortunately, none of them held a candle to Uncanny X-Men number 144 and number 193. <laughs> well, no, no. I mean, I, I thought it was interesting. Cause I, it's like saying I bought all these indie <laughs> albums. Metallica this week. <laughs> but no, but what I thought was interesting was just that there was a lot of really diverse and kind of, um, for at least me personally, there was a widespread of different kind of books that came out. But ultimately, the the fact that, like, as so I'm walking to the comic book store, and in my head I'm kind of going over my list, and I'm thinking, you know, thinking about the comics that I'm two blocks away from, and I kind of really realize that as I'm getting closer, I'm kind of walking faster and faster, and I'm walking faster and faster because I realized that Uncanny X-Men 493 was coming out, which would be Chapter 6 of the Messiah Complex, and I was, like, super excited to get my hands on this comic book. And you weren't being chased? I wasn't being chased. No, no, no. You didn't smell cookies? I didn't smell cookies. No, no, no. <laughs> the, th- the thing is, I've spoke, you know, in the, within the past year, I've, I've, I think I've gushed about Astonishing X-Men and how great of a job Whedon and Cassidy were doing, but that I see that as almost like an anomaly because that's, like, outside the, the ongoing kind of books. Although I guess Astonishing is now ongoing because I'll keep it going. But this the this whole – when Brubaker came out on Uncanny X-Men, I was super excited and a lot of people didn't – it didn't jive with them. It wasn't – you know, Connor, you dropped it at, at one point. Um, yep. And for me, I thought it was good, but it wasn't fantastic. It wasn't the second coming, all that kind of thing. But with this Messiah Complex, I feel as if it's just kind of – it's it's kind of we're just kind of starting, and it's just kind of getting Brubaker's getting the groove, and actually their Marvel and the uh, the X office is executing a classic Marvel X Men 
crossover that remi- that reminds me of the ones that I loved in the 80s and the early 90s, but is modern enough so that it's just not rehashing and just not redoing, which is important. We're seeing evolution of characters. We're seeing, um, you know, just, you know, kind of a different type of stories. Like, I don't think this particular story could have been told in 1989. How far does this one go if you're six parts in? Like, I think, it, I think it's another- 12 parts, maybe. Um, okay. Maybe. It's not that long. It's not that bad. Maybe, maybe 18, maybe 174. <sighs> Forty-seven. Um, yeah, no. I, 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 I just want to know if you're going to feel like this in June. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I want to say it. I want to say it ends maybe in, in twelve parts. I'm not sure. I could be wrong though. What the fuck? What the fuck do I know? Am I a comic reporter? No. Um, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> but, you're, um, you're no kind of reporter. I'm no kind of reporter. So yeah, and it, it just and the thing when this started, it started with Brubaker's store, Brubaker with the one shot and with an uncanny issue, and we were worried about it kind of going through the different X titles, and the consistency has for the most part remained the same. But to have it come back now to uncanny, it's almost like um, you know um, when you're rotating. I'm thinking of a fantasy baseball draft where you go, you get back to the first person type thing. Um, yeah. What now that it's we're 13 back? Thirteen chapters, by the way. It's fifteen. Okay, that's thirteen. 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 I was close. I said twelve. So fuck you. <laughs> that was completely uncalled for. That was just completely <laughs> unnecessary. It was. I asked an honest question. He gave you an answer. You just swear it at someone. You know, don't even I'm know sorry. Who. I'm sorry. I thought I had my Tourette's in check. But so it, it's come back now to Brubaker, and it just, you know, and, and it's funny because there's a lot of discussion on fanboy.com today, uh, today or Wednesday or Thursday when it came out about the – the, the story itself and how nothing really kind of happened in this issue. Like it was a big fight. It was a big issues. fight, and then there was the kind of and, and that's what every issue kind of has been. Uh, there's either been the lead up to the big fight or the big fight and the aftermath. That's been the the general. Each issue has its go- how it's gone, but the the tide sways back and forth. And the storyline is progressing, I think, fast enough to keep you interested so that you don't have to worry about – too much worried about what happened before. They're doing a good job of explaining and dealing with the situation they've been put in. But then also we're seeing – you know, like, and for me, it's a joy to see Brubaker. Like, Brubaker just focused on the few characters that he did his first arc with. You know, Havoc, Polaris, Professor Xavier, Nightcrawler, Warpath, some other Marvel girl, some other ones. I, um, I don't think Iceman was in there, but um, a couple other ones. Now he's got the entire toy chest. And he's not writing them all. I mean, there are a lot of characters to pull from, but you know, we're seeing him write Iceman for the first time. We're seeing him write um, Wolverine for the first time, and it feels right. And it's the kind of thing where, I, you know, I was excited that I was excited to get to the store to get Uncanny X Men again. Um, which you know, and as we talked last week on the podcast, somebody challenged me saying, you know, has it really not been good since you know ninety one, ninety two? And it kind of hasn't been. And I'm glad that finally somebody can come on board and not just I'm giving Brubaker a lot of the credit, but I got to give the entire, you know, maybe it's Axel Alonso's, you know, kind of overall editorial oversight. Maybe, you know, it's, you know, other writers like Peter David and and the new X-Men guys and Yost and what's his name? I always forget their names. But it's it's like I said, a it's a good story that feels like what an X-Men story should be. But now and not trying to just repeat what's been done before. So this issue was great. I mean, basically, we we had a big old sent- the Sentinels are back. How awesome is that? The Sentinels are now have kind of been reprogrammed by someone. They don't know who. They used to be human driven, and now they've they've kind of taken over, become robots, and they're just saying destroy all mutants, destroy all X Men. So you get a big old big Sentinel fight in the beginning, um, and then you get 
you you get Wolverine and Cyclops kind of strategizing as to what their next move is, and they're you know and the aggressive kind of kick-ass Cyclops is is persistent, and he tells Wolverine to put together his little Strike Force, which they're calling X Force, which I did wince a little at, but whatever. Yeah. And they've they've launched the X Force to go track down Cable, who has kidnapped the baby. Not kidnapped. No the chance that leads to a new title or a resurrected title. Yeah. But what? But but but. but well, no, it's, yeah. it's got people from all these different books in one. They're not. I don't know. Maybe. Right. Right, I mean, maybe, I mean, I, I, there is going to be a new title called X Force, and it's going to feature Wolverine and Warpath, and oh, it is, yeah, and X Twenty Three, yeah, there will be. There were two wince moments. There was the the moment when they just said unleash the X Force, which was like, ah, but I understand what they're doing. That's fine. It was kind of cool. But then also the Cable, who is who is on the cover with the baby, is only on the pa- on this in this comic for one page, yeah. and it's as he's he's going somewhere. He's got the baby, the new, the first mutant born, this baby, and he's got a freaking X labeled baby carrier, like. <laughs> Like, like the thing that you know, like the and now I went online. I looked up looking for artwork, and there is artwork of um. Oh, I forgot who did. I want to say Gabriel Del Otto did a did a pinup of of Cable in this uniform with this with these straps that come down in the center to like a big X in the middle. It's exactly what he's wearing in this comic, but just with a baby in it. So, so I don't know if that's standard issue X Men gear, you know, like Baby Bjorn, you know, <laughs> with, a, with a big X on. Yeah, exactly. But um, no, I, didn't, I didn't have such a problem. With it. That's kind of the no. Thing. It just made me laugh out loud. That's like all. A, like a, it's like a bat logo and everything. I'm glad this is really fast moving and exciting because I don't know who half the characters are. Well, which, which and, because you're not, regular, main, you're not yeah, regular. You're not regular. I know, I know yeah, which yeah. is fine, but it's good yeah. because I don't have time to. I like if ever I come to a character who I don't know what's happening. Like I've never seen her. Sort of, was it Dust? Was it? Was yeah, Dust. Yeah. Whenever I get to a character I've never heard of, I, I don't even have time to worry about it. Well, you've heard of her. She was introduced in Morrison's run. I don't remember. Yeah, apparently, apparently, he, apparently, it didn't stick. Yeah, she. Well, the, yeah. the problem with that is that they didn't show. She's the one with the burqa. She's the Middle Eastern one. Yeah. They did, but they just showed her in her dust form. They didn't show her in the burqa, which I was like, oh, right. okay, yeah. So, <laughs> Who's that cloud? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's funny, Ron? Um, do you read these and you like know everybody in them? Yep. That's amazing. Okay. The other I problem I have is I really, really would like to like Billy Tan, but I just do not. Well, yeah, that that that's the one thing, and I mentioned this in my review is that is that I understand the criticism against Billy Tan, and that and I don't hate him as much as some other people hate him. I don't hate he's, him at all. It just doesn't, yeah. it doesn't appeal to me. He's definitely he's definitely a Silvestri disciple. I mean, you you see that in in what he does, and you you understand that. But it's uh, lacking something that Silvestri's got. Yeah, but the, but the thing is, but it also for for whatever reason, I feel as if it fits in this particular one. Um, I thought you know some of the detail he brings to it, like. A lot of the, of course, it, it, you know, it, you know, it's a good X crossover when the mansion gets destroyed. So right. the the mansion has been destroyed again. <laughs> um, and I thought he did. I oh, thought, the insurance on that place! <laughs> I thought he, I thought he dealt with the detail of the destruction rather well. Like that one scene when Wolverine and Cyclops are walking down the destroyed stairs. I thought that was just a, a good page, you know. But then you turn a couple pages previously, and, he, and he's got this weird perspective on Cyclops's head with the skull cap. The, the, and yeah, it's, the, yeah, it's, the, it's yeah. the faces. They're all the, yeah. the angles and the faces are always weird. Yeah, I don't know yeah. what, this, but it's. It's not bad. It's certainly, you wouldn't. You don't. He's a good storyteller. You can tell what's happening all at all times, and he's. Yeah. You know, he can draw. But I, for me personally, the style is just. Yeah. I, I get distracted by the weird faces and glass. Like Cyclops's glasses never look the same. They've yeah, he's, he's got a hard time with Cyclops when he's got the skull cap and the visor on. You can tell he's. he's like struggling. it looks like it doesn't look like he's wearing glasses. It looks like he's wearing a red, red blindfold. Yeah. Yeah. So well, that, it just it just I just would wish someone else was drawing this book. I don't yeah. nothing against Billy Payne. I just don't particularly respond to his art but yeah that's what keeps me thinking this is a really great book which is right which is could be if i had artists i really liked on it but. right and it's and it, i mean it's just it's just been it's it's i hate to say it's so cliche but it's been a roller coaster and it's been and it's oh, absolutely it, yeah. it's exciting it's, yeah. it's like a runaway train if we can throw some more um descriptors out there but yeah. <laughs> um, 
Um, and 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 like I said, I I think that it's it's Brubaker kind of coming to his own on this. And I know he's supposed to be on this for a few years, and I hope that you know it's it runs through and 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 you get to see what I think he is truly capable of with these characters. So and also and and also it looks like he's going to bring relevance to Cable, who is a character who has lacked relevance for several years. Yeah. So um, it's who, funny because I really prefer Cable and Ultimate X Men. Well, the, the thing the thing about Cable is that, and I mentioned this in my review, Cable was awesome when he was introduced because he had that same thing that made Wolverine great with that air of mystery. He he was connected to he was connected to the fa- to the to the bloodline. He was you know Scott Summers' son from the future type thing, and he had this knowledge of what was coming. And so you know it was kind of like I mean it. it, it but he looked ridiculous. Well, yeah. Well, that that life held aside and small ankles aside and guns and all that kind of thing aside. But but what he brought, like he carried weight with him in his presence in them, and then he just kind of they kind of solved those storylines and then. He kind of didn't have a reason to be around, you know. And I feel as if they've been trying to, you know, drum up relevance for him. And if they, if Brubaker can bring it with this new storyline and whatever his involvement is right now, the one thing that I kind of, kind of wasn't so sure about was that Cyclops was so quick to blame see cable as the enemy and send Wolverine and the X Force out after them to kill him. Yeah, to kill. Yeah, like because it's his son. You know, like I thought. You know, like there's be. You know, I understand he's being aggressive, kind of badass Cyclops. But I thought I was like, well, but. The story's going to play out. I'll see how it goes. I trust them. Uh, the only thing that gives me pause about Brubaker's run here is that I've read – this is the third arc of his I've read, and the first – this is the only good one. So whether or not this is improvement or an anomaly will remain yeah, to be seen. exactly. So excellent. But yeah, X-Men. Yay. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I, I missed – speaking of X-Men, I missed the whole Joe Mad run of X-Men comics. You that see that – the, the, that originally happened. That was when I was staying as far away from the X Men books as humanly possible. And and those, I, those years were fun. Don't get me wrong. They weren't the stories weren't that great, but Joe Mad's art was was exciting at the time. Right. You know? So this is probably, <laughs> the, the Ultimate Three Number One is probably the first Joe Mad comic I've ever purchased. I'm not positive, but I think it's true. Um, you, you didn't buy. I have you didn't buy Battle, Battle Chasers. Or? God no. Oh, even I bought Battle Chasers. Yeah. So this is, this is my first exposure to him. I think I didn't know what to expect art wise. So I think this. I can't, I can't tell because the, every page was black. Well, hang on, hang on. So Ultimate uh, Three, Jeff Loeb, Joe Madureira. Um, I think this was solicited back in two thousand two, or it was no. announced in, uh, announced years ago. It's been. On, it was only announced. Well, because they've been waiting for they've been yeah. waiting for Ultimate Two to end. That's right, why. Right. It's not their fault. It's, it's, I was actually surprised this came out this soon. I think they announced it maybe last San Diego, not the no, not this one. No, they announced one. it like two years ago. That's what I mean. Not the while, one that they've been waiting. They've been waiting to the, yeah, the first. Yeah, end. yeah, like 2006. Yeah. He wrote it two years ago, I think. Yeah, that's what he said. Now, what I, did you think of I, this? Am I the only person that couldn't? That thought the art was really, really, really dark beyond to the point of not being able to see a lot of it. I think that this kind of coloring, I don't, I don't really, I don't. It didn't seem to match with the art. I was me. about to say that this is there. There is two kinds of digital. This is obviously digital out the wazoo. There's two kinds of digital coloring. There's the good subtle kind. And then there's the, hey, this is digitally colored. It's almost like painted. Yeah. And See, no, I think this is the digital painting kind, and, and they, right. that's a certain look. But it doesn't work with this cartoony. I, I feel like this should be brighter and more. It should, um, be, it should be almost almost flat. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, and, and, and what's happening is that the characters are already, are already drawn this huge expressive bubbliness. Yep. And then on top of that, there's more bubbliness. And it just like, everyone was huge. I mean, yeah. look at the Black Panther. I mean, he's giant. He has yeah. so many muscles. He's just... He's I, very I, strong. I, 
I, apparently, he's extremely strong. Now, I didn't finish Ultimates 2. I read Ultimates 1, and I don't I actually think I read any of Ultimates 2. But I figured, well, it's a number one, so it's probably going to be pretty easy to get on top of. And I got lost quite a few times in this. Yeah. Like, I had to go back pages and, and look. And Well, though, I think the point ugh. is, as far as I can tell, this doesn't, this doesn't connect a lot with the second one. It's supposed to be right. later on. You're, you're dropped in the middle. You've got to figure out the status quo. Well, as you go, so there's not a lot of explaining to do, and I actually didn't mind the story to be honest with you. I thought it was engaging, and I give them huge, huge amount of respect for including the incestual storyline. I was shocked; I couldn't believe it. I was like, "Wow, this yeah. is yeah, yeah." yeah. Well, that's I mean, the I kind was, of thing that's supposed to happen in the Ultimates, I think, as opposed to. But it's a mainstream, a super mainstream book, and they're talking. They're very casual about mm-hmm. the fact that Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver are in love with each other, um, mm-hmm. which I thought was cool. But I couldn't get past the fact that it just it was colored way too dark, and beyond the fact that the coloring didn't match the art style. I I thought just the first fight scene. You know, I had to really squint at the pages to figure out. You know, you couldn't see faces. I think I think it's best summed up for me at least. That this this really left a bad taste in my mouth. Um, yeah, you know, I couldn't even tell you what Hawkeye's face looks like with the mask on because it's all you couldn't even see it. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's, well, I had to look and go. Is is that Hawkeye? Is that him from behind, or is that someone else? Is it Black Panther or Venom? They they kind of looked alike. And I'm I'm, curi- I'm curious to see what. Uh, well, I'm curious if he penciled this at all, or if he drew it digitally. But I'm I'm curious to see what this looked like, black and white. Because you're right, it is super super dark. Even the scenes that are supposed to be like lit, like yeah. in the light, are super dark. And it's it's. I, it's this is like the this is the difference between the Dave Stewarts and the and the and the Laura Martins of the world and the Frank DeMartas of the world and the Richard Eisenhoves and the and whoever colored this is that it just I don't like this for some reason there's this you know look we made it look painted and it just doesn't work it doesn't look good you know so Christian like Lichtner did it did the colors I've never heard of him so uh, there was a couple there was a couple of really like over the top cheesecakey things too which really I didn't you know I thought were kind of beyond that but yeah. Like, I think one, that that's that's Loeb's thing, kind of. No, and well, especially like, and then uh, well, then on a book like this, he goes. It's. I think that that's kind of. Well, I think that Loeb is writing. I think he writes books like that sometimes. Sometimes he's one way, and sometimes he's another you think way. He wrote Valkyrie without a bra. Uh, well, possibly. You know I mean? Like that's not really a, a writing thing. I wouldn't imagine. Does he think he wrote the silhouette of Scarlet Witch to show her entire ass, even though she's wearing a skirt? Yeah. Well, look at the look at the first page. I'm not talking watching... about sexy. I'm not talking about. I know the... that's part of the story, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about stuff that doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How can you see I... Scarlet Witch's ass when she's wearing a skirt? Right. You know. It's just, she it's doesn't just have a bra, does she? But at <laughs> least they're pointed up like she's jumping. So. It's just it was. Just, I didn't know how to feel because I didn't really necessarily dislike the story. I thought it was kind of engaging. I kind of want to know what happens next. But yeah, no, the story. But got overall, me. I, I put it down and I was like, I don't know how to feel about this comic. Yeah. And like and like, I was excited for Joe Madden. Like as say what you will about this style, whether you like it or not, all this kind of stuff. Like I like Joe. Like I did like Joe Madden in the '90s, and I was sad to see him go to kind of you know leave comics and and to see him. I was excited to see him come back. And I said, I think I said it to one of you or to somebody. I'm like, watch when he comes back. It's going to be totally overdone. It's going to be overproduced. And that's what I think it, this is. It's overdone. So yeah. Yeah, it's too bad. So you guys not gonna pick the next one up then? I will. <laughs> yeah, I, I will. I think it's a possibility that they were like, this first one, it's gonna be crazy, you know. And then maybe, it, I mean, maybe he'll settle down. He'll he'll concentrate on the storytelling and stuff. He'll get, a little he'll get married. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> or maybe Ron. maybe he'll start playing the PlayStation, and then we'll never Ron. see issue two. Yeah. Ron, I'm very, very, very interested in what you have to think. What you have to say about Suburban Glamour number two? Well, let me tell you about Suburban Glamour number two. Is that yep. is that Suburban <laughs> Glamour number two came so close to edging out Uncanny X Men number four? Oh my three. god! So close. 
because because I'll, I'm 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 not I'm 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 very obvious about my my love for this book and and it just it's really really All right, good. I, I, I want you to explain to me why. I, I can explain it to you in one word. Well, no, yep. not in one word. I'm sorry, in one page. Mm-hmm. When <laughs> when when the chick with the tattoos, what's her name again? Um, uh, yeah, Aubrey. Aubrey explains to them what's going on in one page and kind of sums up the entire fairies and dragons magical conceit of the book all in one page. I was just like, oh, and it's not going to be the pick. I'm sorry. I'm like, I can't do it. No, no, no. I want, <laughs> Thank to, know, God. I want to know why. I want to know why you liked it. That says why it's not the pick. What was it about that you liked? Oh, because it was. It was. It was. It, it carried through the same thing that I loved about issue number one is that I love the look of it. Even Guy Major didn't do the colors. Matthew Wilson did the colors, and it didn't lose a step at all. So the colors were still a huge part of it. I thought uh, Jamie. McKelvey, who wrote and drew it, his um, his pencils and his layouts and his art was beautiful, it, it, albeit for one page, the one panel when um, when Astrid's parents are eating breakfast and it's a weird her dad eating, which was weird, looked very mechanical. But I thought I thought the page I thought the book was beautiful and oh, it's beautifully drawn. Yeah, nice. and and then and then I was even ready. I knew it was going to take the kind of mat, you know, because it starts off with Astrid and her friend being chased by monsters from her dreams, and and I knew it was going to take a fantasy kind of angle. Um, and turns out th- this Aubrey woman who who owns a cool boutique is actually a um, a, a fairy, and um, and Astrid is actually part fairy or whole fairy, and she's got to choose whether she wants to live in our world or in the fairy world. And I was just right, like, so oh fuck me! I, <laughs> all right, good because I really like this. I love, the, of course, it goes without saying, Jamie McKelvey's awesome art wise. I mean, this is like my favorite looking book right of this week. But basically, I mean, this is kind of fables. Um. Yeah, I could see that. I guess. Yeah. Oh, that's no, no, it curious. is. Yeah. That's why I was kidding. <laughs> what, what you thought because you hate fables so much. I was like, yeah. how he loves first issue one. He loves Javen McKelvey. What's he gonna say about this? Because it's basically the book he hates. Well, yeah. Well, I haven't read enough of, enough of fables to know that. <laughs> it's well. It's this. Yeah. It's it's what this is but actually. It doesn't. It's, um, it doesn't look as fables. good. Nor is it hip. <laughs> well, I'm so as long as it's, as long as it's in the veneer of British culture and music, then it's cool. And and looks like and looks like this totally Are you crazy. Well, uh, listen, uh, do you do you get what the title means now? No, it's a uh, glamour is um in in like fantasy and fairy tales and stuff like that. A glamour is a magical disguise. Oh, interesting. Look at so you bring out the D and D. If you're an elf or something and you want to look like a human, you put on a glamour and it makes you look like. Oh. I learned that. I learned that from Sandman. I learned that from watching you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, yeah. This is a nice looking book. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. I love it, and I will. I will buy all four issues, and I will buy the trade, and I will tell people to buy it. And I'll. Rec- I recommended it to somebody at the comic book store yesterday who likes kind of you know offbeat kind of things. It just. It's just that it's. It's it, if if Jamie McKelvey would either write and draw or draw someone else writing a fucking teen soap nine hundred two and zero in England, I would probably have a heart attack because it would be so good. But the the fairy stuff kind of just turns me off, and that's my personal thing. I'll still buy it though. Um, but the fables thing is interesting. Can I tell you what I, what I, I, know that. I yeah. what I liked about this book um, is that with this issue, I f- saw what it was finally. Because the first yeah. book, the first issue, I was like, I don't know what this book is. I don't know what the point is. I don't know what the deal is. Like with this one, I, I get it. Like it's the idea like every kid feels like – Oh, I'm not who I should be. I'm, I don't belong. I'm growing up. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm in suburbia and I'm I'm just, you know, blending in with everybody else and I don't want to be like that. And this is the, you know, this is this is every Neil Gaiman book ever. Yeah. Really. Yeah. 
I mean, that's what that's what all Neil Gaiman books are: is that the main character finds out that they're actually a god or something like that, and and that's what happened here. Although, like, what what I did like is I think that I think the characters were were um, established very well in this. I I feel like if they had made the first issue a forty-eight page book, like. I, I yeah, think it's going to make a great OGN when it's put together. Like it's gonna well, be yeah. Fine. Well, no, I thought. I mean, I, I disagree because I think that I think the the first issue worked enough to to introduce you to the characters and get enough of the that first issue, like, huh, what's going on? Kind of confusion type thing, and end on a bit of a cliffhanger. And then this issue, then okay, brings you back. They resolve the the cliffhanger. They calm you down. They say, okay, this is what's going on. And then and then right. uh, yeah, but I mean, I didn't know what the point was until here. Right. And it's not that's not a bad thing. I mean, it's I'm not saying it's not even it's written in the issue form. It's not for that. I just think, like at the end of the first one, I was like, okay, but I don't know what I'm looking at. Here's some people, you know, right. something weird happened. It wasn't enough to hook me, I suppose. I, I still, I, I, I think that the story is. I mean, it, I think I feel like it's a little pedestrian, and and I mean that it's not bad. It's just he, I think he's he's early in, in his yeah. writing. Well, yeah, part. I think that's too. I mean, he's he, and, um, yeah. I mean, it goes without saying. But it's funny. It's funny that you you carry that kind of that you you make that kind of um, observation about it, where like now you know what's going on or whatever. Because Omega the Unknown came out this week from Marvel issue three of ten, and we really came out of the. Uh, did you guys pick this up? Or are you guys reading or continuing to read this? Or I I have not read it. Oh, okay. Yes, and no. Okay. Well, what the, after the first issue came out, I was you know, remember I was raving stuff like that. Did you yep. notice I got a little quiet? when issue two came out yes because i was like oh maybe not maybe i was wrong <laughs> but um, well, that's, that's why I, that's, that's the no part of my answer i yeah. i like i like the first one like you did the second one left me scratching my head yeah the, after the second one i decided all right maybe this is not a piece by piece thing here i've got to read these in chunks so yeah i bought three but didn't even read it because i'm planning on not reading until if like four or five comes out and reading them all in a row because I feel like it's going to be too confusing to not to read in in little issue form. Right. Well. Well. Issue issue three it 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 brings it back. Not that it, not that I don't think that it wavered. It just I think it's similar to what Josh was saying about suburban glamour, where like issue two I didn't really know what the point of it was, but now you know Omega the Unknown. It's chapter three. The kid that was you know found in the car accident in the first issue now is kind of he's he's entered public school and he's being kind of watched by the nurse that that kind of adopted him and thought at the hospital and what's funny is that he keeps you know he the the omega character the superhero guy is the only time he's in this book is he's working he's working the the fryer in a like a, a hot truck outside the school and so like this is one shot where there's like the old there's like the guy the guy in the paper hat and the apron who like takes the orders and there's this superhero behind him with the paper hat and apron and he's just he's he's man in the fry the fry the deep fryer <laughs> It's like, and so it's, it's a worthy job. Yeah, no, it is a worthy I mean, job. But then, but then, <laughs> then you go on, and you see him, what he's doing at night, and that there's something going on with that Mink um, character, that Mink kind of like superhero kind of guy that was in that first issue. Like, I don't, I, I still don't know exactly what's going on, but this was a lot more engaging and more of what made me so excited about the first one than than the second one. So, um, I don't know. It's worth it's worth noting in that in that. Well, the second one had me a little worried. The third one had me excited again. So we'll see. But um, the story is still developing. I still don't know exactly, you know, what is gonna. You know, we aren't getting that many answers, but I I trust it. Yeah. Well, enough. I'm gonna. I don't know. Maybe it's a trade book. It could be. But I'm I'm enjoying I'm enjoying it. And and Dar- Dalrymple's art is fucking awesome. So yeah, and I, I give him credit for putting it out. Now now uh, today, Connor hands me a book that I've never heard of or thought about or anything, and it's a book that is drawn by Phil Noto about war. And I said, what is this? He said, you, you take a look at it. Tell me what you think. Um, and it was The Infinite Horizon Number 1, uh, written by Jerry Duggan uh, from Image Comics, one of six. 
I held this. I held this in my hand, and I didn't buy it, and I think I'm regretting it now. I've got to tell you, he hands me this thing, and I think, and I look at, it and I have a real thing where stuff that's commenting on the war right now that's going on, it often comes off as like you don't know what you're talking. about. Uh, well, sort of heavy-handed, but also like you don't really know what's going to happen. So anything you say, you're just setting yourself up for a, a beatdown eventually. You know what I mean? Like, there's no you don't have any context on it because you can't look back at it. And at first, I'm reading this and I thought, oh, this is about the war now. And then, uh, and like, they sort of slowly reveal that this is not in fact our world, and this is a world where things have gone way worse and things are very different. It's not exactly the same thing. And I just thought this was such a beautiful reveal of a slightly different world that was slightly off keel, a little like DMZ. Yeah. yeah, a lot like DMZ actually, but it basically it starts off with a soldier and he's he's talking about he's getting back to his wife and he'd been in Afghanistan and you think oh this is true life real world and it, and it's not it's the whole other thing and there's like a slightly different uh, like they have to escape to the Taliban uh, held areas of Afghanistan and then you go back and there's martial law has been declared in the U S and and people are fighting over water and supplies and things like that I loved this book. Connor, were you? Yeah, I, I really like the story. I like the fact that you're thrown in the middle of this and you've got to figure out what's going on, what the rules are. Um, I love the fact that they didn't tell you everything. So you, now you're wondering what happened in the United States and why is, mm-hmm. why is stuff so bad. And you, and you really want to know what happened and why basically China is destroying everything and, and, this, and they're in, why the soldiers are in Syria, but they've got no weapons. It's just, it was really, it was really um, interesting. But the thing I was most taken by was I've decided I have no good reason to really love Phil Noto's art. Interesting. I feel I feel like <laughs> you like you, it though, right? I love it. I love it. But if you look at it like objectively, it, it's it's often not very uh-huh. good. He some of the sometimes it, the, like the ears disappear and then the, the 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 characters are coming off as occasionally awkward and stilted. Like when there's mm-hmm. any kind of action, it often looks very awkward. But at the same time, I love it. I don't I don't know why, but I I, I would take a step step back and look at the page and go. There's no reason why I should really like this, but it's still there. It is. I like it. Well, I think his de- his design sense is is off the chart, and I think yeah, that that's well. I, mean, I think you combine those elements, and you have some beautiful stuff. So I mean, so how how obvious is it that it's it's the Odyssey? I didn't well, know that until I got to the end, but I've never read okay. the Odyssey. So yeah. Oh, all right, all right, cool. Because I'm, I'm I'm curious by that. I mean, it's, it's basically a modern you know reimagining of it, right? And so it's like yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's not you don't need to know that at all like at the end i was like oh okay i see how that makes sense yeah. but if they hadn't put that i wouldn't have wouldn't have gone one way or the other i th- i don't think okay i i really dug this this was great cool well i'm i'm going to run to the store and pick it up because i fucking beautiful cover on this thing yeah. i mean that's just a great cover yeah connor if i wanted to pick it up where would i go well you'd have to run to new york ron and i will i um, universe and <laughs> put my running shoes on <laughs> it's one of america's best and most progressive comic book stores jim hanley's universe offers the best selection of comic book titles related merchandise from mainstream to manga to minis jim hanley's universe has it all and when you're in new york city ron come visit the place where art and literature meet jim hanley's universe it's located across from the empire state building in midtown manhattan and at 325 new door Blaine in staten island because you, you don't have to come all the way here. You just stop at Staten Island. <laughs> right. So, yeah, when, you stop, when you stop in the store, tell them my fanboy sent you. And you can visit them on the web at www.jhuniverse.com and at myspace.com slash Jim Hanley's Universe. Jim Hanley's Universe, where art and literature meet and where you can catch a very heavily panting Ron in about three to four months. <laughs> Ron, you were here? Yeah. Do you think, uh, it, would you take me, do you think I, it would take me three months to run to New York? 
Well, you'd have a stroke somewhere in Kansas, so you got that recovery time to have to deal with. So it's possible. It's just like like Ron came here and then went to the Staten Island store, didn't call us, and went back. You were here? Yeah, I went to Staten Island. You guys weren't around, so I just decided. Three twenty five New Dorp Lane. I was there. Um, man, you know, New Horizon. I missed it. Image had a strong week. I mean, the, the Dynamo Five, the New Horizon, Suburban Glamour, um, Invincible also Invin- came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Invincible came out. The Sword Number Three came out. It was really good. But we're not gonna talk about any of those books um but they had a strong week so it was good uh a highly anticipated book came out this week and that was um brian wood and and david G- gianfelice's uh northlanders uh, issue number one uh, i posted something quickly about this earlier the week on my fanboy kind of like a don't miss this brian wood's latest vertigo series uh hot on the heels of the hit of dmz and it's about vikings and that sure threw me for a loop when I first heard about it. <laughs> it was good. It was I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I thought it was really good. I struggle, though, a bit with the dialogue. And that's really the only area where, where I could be had hey, because because it's it's the tale of a of a the heir to the throne returning home after being after being away for a while and to find his evil uncle in control of the Viking you know homestead and is his um, name Robin Hood. No, his name is Sven. No, he, Sven the Returned. He, he's also a prick. Yeah, he's kind of a prick. No, he's a lot of prick. He's a lot of prick. <laughs> I mean, um, compared but, to Robin Hood, at least. But the characters, the characters talk. They, they don't talk. If it was, if it was all Thor speak, it would be awful. We like, so I understand that. It, but then at the same time, he's arg, you know, he's arguing with his uncle, and his uncle kind of, you know, they get into an argument, and he, his the uncle's baddies kind of, um, kind of take the dude out, and he and uncle says, you know, get him the fuck out of here, you know, and he's like, he's like, you don't give a shit about them, and he's using modern kind of curses. And I don't know if that's good or bad. I'm I'm torn with that. So there's also the scene where the Vikings are playing with the Wii. Was there really? <laughs> they everything out off off balance. Was there? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, did I miss that? <laughs> um, no, this it, sounds it, like a perfect waiting for the trade. No, this is another trade series for me. It, so. it it um it it's it's take place in 980 BC or no 80 980 AD the time of the Vikings and um, or maybe BC I don't know I forget. But um, but I thought the art was beautiful. Um, the lettering was okay, but the the use of colors I thought was great. Sven's got a really bright red tunic, and that's a, yeah. a, a stark contrast on the bleak, you know, kind of Norse plain that he returns to. Um, it was good. I mean, I mean, yeah, I could see people waiting for the trade like they do, but you know, but I, I, it's good. It was good the first issue, so I'm going to buy an issue. So I thought it was pretty good. I don't know if he's got a full handle on this, but I like that he's doing it. Yeah, me too. Exactly. Like, and, it, and it wasn't. And it wasn't. And it wasn't awful. And actually, actually, was it was a it was a good comic book. I don't know if he has a handle on it, but it was good. So, yeah. yeah, I don't need to read another bleak thing about people from him, like yeah. modern city folk. You know, existing in a world without love. You know, like right. I, I'm glad that he's doing this kind of thing. And and uh, again, another, like I don't know if he, I don't know if he's quite there with this yet. But I, the one, I actually like the main character Sven is sort of um awful. And I think that that's the thing because he's sort of experimenting with having a. He's like he wouldn't be a nice guy if he's a Viking prince. He'd be kind of a prick, and and, yeah. and he, that's what he's doing here. I think. Yeah. What else came from Vertigo this week? Uh the Exterminators number twenty four. I wanted to bring this up because now, Ron, you said you were going to be on issues with this, so I'm are, not there. Are, I'm not, you're not. I'm not there yet. Okay. No. This was a one shot basically, and it re- marks the return of Tony Moore, Woo. which was awesome. Um, <laughs> and then uh, basically, were there this any was Tony like, Moore faces? Oh yeah, oh yeah, lots of, <laughs> and also like this. It, it basically, this issue is about like they they t- at the beginning and they talk about um there are like a, most of the jobs are in shitholes and then you know twenty percent of the time you're in a middle class house and then there's two percent where the top shelf jobs and so this is um Henry and um Nils 
uh, they go on uh, they go on a cruise. So they're going to be the exterminators on a cruise, and it turns out the cruise is like this weird thing where there's all this like, sexual shit happening down below decks, and there's these moths that get on decks, and they're it's it's disgusting. It's utterly disgusting, but it's really funny in that way that this book is is really funny. Like it's just awful, and it goes it goes completely over the top. I mean, it goes Gary Oldman over the top. Nice. And there's like a scene where basically the captain of the ship is basically um, Kurtz from uh, Heart of the Dark or Apocalypse Now. Awesome. I mean, it's basically what it is. And they they you know like it's ended like they ram a school of whales and they they sink the ship. Like it's just. It's craziness. It makes no sense, and it, it shouldn't exist. But like, it was just a fun issue with all this disgusting stuff that makes you kind of wince and just, oh. And it was just, it was just that fun sort of horror comedy um, satire kind of thing. I loved this issue. It was a great one. Also, if you were thinking about picking up the Exterminators, you don't want to make the whole, the whole, uh, you know, commitment to buy trades or whatever. This is one issue. This will tell you exactly what the book is like. If you don't like this, you're not going to like the book. If you do, you will, and you can go back and buy the others. Gotta love the one shot. Gotta love the get on board one shot. So good, good one them. shot. Good for them. Um, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer number ten. Number nine. Uh, number ten. Nine. Eight. Nine. Seven. Nine. Um, nine. I don't look at numbers anymore. <laughs> He's, he runs a strictly anti-number life now. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, he goes to McDonald's and he can't order. <laughs> Uh, mostly because it'll kill you. Uh, <laughs> with, all due, with all due respect to Joss Whedon, who's you know we all love and is great, uh, Brian K. Vaughn should never leave this book. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. It's it was good. really, really good. Yeah. I mean, he 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 has a really good handle on these characters. For some uh, reason, for some uh, so so to so kind of recap again, I'm 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 in the process of watching the entire run of Buffy the the show, and and my emerging favorite character is Giles. Yes. And the combination of the way he wrote him and the way George Genty drew him um, yeah. is dead on. It was like yep. it was great. It was really really good. George yeah. Genty does a really good job because often with licensed properties, the artist either gets too stuck on trying to make the art, the characters look like the actors yeah. to not make it look like art, where they all look like still uh, really stiff photographs. And he he manages too. he manages to draw them looking enough like the characters, but also still drawing without yep. like photo referencing everything. That's a really rare talent. Giles was great in this, and Giles had the badass moment of the of the night yeah. with the uh, containment spell that blew up the guy's head, which I thought when I went did that, I was like, "Oh shit!" Like, <laughs> it was Giles a, was badass. So. It was a good it was a good resolution to the storyline. It didn't end the way I thought it would, and and it it has ramifications for the ongoing season, and and it and it ends with Faith and Giles kind of deciding to team up, which be- is which makes a lot of sense because they're both very um giles when you, when the show first starts giles is the uptight sort of british uh yep. dude and then by the end of by the end you see he's actually really um he's got a very dangerous path you know he's done some sketchy stuff and this they're the perfect pairing him and faith yeah yeah no it was really really good so um good stuff i was really impressed with that, that yeah one. so so if you if you kind of like buffy and talking about jumping on points with ex- exterminators next issue is probably it's it's it's, uh, it's a good jumping on point if you're curious about this buffy series so yeah um yeah so not not nine number ten but ten, the ten. nine was John. good. No one here is named John. Jonah Hex, Josh, twenty-six. <laughs> oh man, this was awesome because. <laughs> and if you looked at the cover, you may have tipped something off. But if you don't look at the cover and all, you just start reading it. Oh man, and it was just like it was just like, and it's it hasn't really gotten bad or anything. But like this was just like back in the first couple issues where you were like, oh my god, I can't believe they did that. Yeah. And there was a lot of that, it, Connor. And, and I was, I was. Did, so, did you see what I was talking about? Yes. Um, 
Jonah. Ha- First of all, the arts the arts really good. Who was this artist? Um, I don't I don't know the name actually. Where's the Cameron Coley? Oh, um, who? Whatever. Cameron Coley. Cameron Coley. Yeah. Um, uh, Star Jonah Hex ends up and he's looking for some some horse thieves. Ends up on a farm with a with a single woman. Uh, she has shares dinner with him, and then he wakes up in the barn all trussed up because he yeah. Had a, you think had a, it's gonna go one way, <laughs> and it he, goes a completely different way. He got drugged by the girl um, who's got an obsession with pigs, and um, there are lots of axes and dudes without limbs and, and um, tongues. T- tongues tongues nailed to walls and. Jesus. Um, it's so grisly. This is the most grisly one since the Cajun family issue. Wow. Oh, God. Remember that one? I do. This Ugh. is good. And this was just everything. Again, this is another, it's another one shot that this is exactly what, what Jonah Hex is all about. And, and it, like, the end is just, like, it's just, like, it just leaves you in this weird, like, it ambiguous ends the only, state the only, of, Yeah, the only Jonah Hex ends this way. Like, if you don't know what just happened. You don't know how good you feel about it, but you you really liked it. And Jonah Hex has got his own twisted sense of morality. That's just awesome. Um, yeah. Palmiotti and Gray have really matches. Palmiotti and... A grindhouse uh, western. <laughs> Justin Gray really mastered the um, the one-shot. I mean, they, they are really good at telling one complete story <laughs> within 22 pages. That does not cut anything else. Without it, feeling, without it feeling like a fill-in. No, oh, and doesn't feel they don't they never feel rushed. They always feel complete. Cool. Really, yeah. really good. Awesome. Um, awfulness. I look forward Ugh. to reading it in trade. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, that was the week in books. Um, uh, yeah, it was axes a, it, and it was, pigs. It was a it was a violent week actually. Now that I think about it, there was a lot of violence with swords this week between Northlanders yes. and Buffy. Buffy and even books we didn't talk about like um uh, well uh, well in Ultimates Valkyrie cuts venom and you know big chunk but the sword from the Luna Brothers from Image was was bloody as hell it was it was a, a bloody mess the chick used the sword all over the place it was awesome so it was a bloody week a weird week all right so on to the email alrighty the long one Ron you ready I think I am for you. It's all for you. Uh, keeping with our X theme today. Caroline from Virginia writes and says, I know that Ron and Connor have been digging X-Men Messiah Complex through the first three issues and also the fourth, apparently. I was digging it too, but I just read number four, X-Men 44, and I'm not new, pleased. New, new X-Men number 44. And I right. wasn't. That, I said that was the weakest issue of the, of the crossover so far. Yeah, anyway. it was. Okay. It was. First, the execution of this issue is lousy. I thought the point of this crossover was that you could read it through without knowing all the storylines from the various books, but I'm fairly familiar with the new X-Men cast, and I was still confused about who all the characters were. I didn't even know who had been stabbed until somebody shouted out a name. When Armor came into the room, I thought she was Jubilee. That's what happens when you don't have a consistent character design and never identify anybody. I know this book is probably getting canceled, so why why they're not working overtime to grab new readers? But if Marvel is calling it a crossover and asking people to spend three bucks on a book they would normally buy, I think you, there should be some effort to make it comprehensible. A couple of points. Professor Xavier is so powerful the writers have routinely had to incapacitate or kill in order to keep him from winning the entire battle himself. Now we're supposed to believe that he's moping around the mansion like Grandpa Simpson trying to get the kids to pay attention to him just because Cyclops yelled at him a couple of issues ago, which he deserved, by the way. I'd rather Xavier weren't in the book at all than show up and be treated like this. <laughs> Point two, can anybody who knows Cyclops' history, Ron, convince me that it's in the character for him to endanger Madrox without warning him first? I love Scott Summers. I know the guy is not perfect, but it's usually more of an emotionally distant, cheating on my wife kind of imperfect, not telling lies to get people to risk their lives imperfect. <laughs> this plot point seems totally needless because surely Madrox would have agreed to the mission without being played. It makes Madrox look like a sucker, Cyclops and Forge look like jerks for no storytelling reason. 
Now, in the interest of equal time, I want to mention that the new X-Men co-writer, Chris Yost, is doing an amazing job on X-Men Emperor Vulcan. Uh, I haven't heard you guys bring it up, and it's probably a book that's only hardcore X-Men fans would care about. But as a Summers family junkie, I'm lo- loving the cosmic soap opera. Havoc and Polaris and Rachel Summers have been around for a long time. I don't think any of them have been written this well in ages. The dialogue is sharp, the art is gorgeous, and there I have Star Jammers! I feel like this is the story that Brubaker's Shi'ar Empire art could have been, and ha- hope all the ex-geeks out there give it a listen. Ron, um... You might want to marry Caroline. I, I, Caroline, are you single? Because um, <laughs> you, could, you could just have talks like this all day long. You see, but that's the kind of thing. Is That uh, that might be too close. <laughs> Some things I want to keep for my own. No, I'm just kidding. Um, right, Ron, I blacked so, out. What are we talking about? <laughs> and Plus, I'm taken. So, But anyway. Uh, New X-Men 44, I, we both agree, was not right. Was the weakest one in, this, in the crossover, correct? Um, I think a lot of it had to do with the art. There are problems, character identifications and things like that. You yep. couldn't tell what was going on half the time. I agree. Um, her point about Professor Xavier is great and spot on. The the, the Grandpa Simpson kind of uh, analogy is perfect and hysterical. I don't know what role Xavier is going to play in this, and I feel like he's not – it's kind of thing like when you're watching a TV show, very rarely do you see something without a reason. You know, right. so like I feel as if 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 they were if they if it's kind of like well he's around we just gotta you gotta throw him in have an argument with Cyclops I'm like no he's gonna he's gonna crop up and mean something again I, I, I I'm surprised uh, lately I've seen how many people seem to dislike Professor Xavier yeah it's uh, and I've never seen that before you I know, know why a, you know why know a, it's never good when he can walk he needs to be in that wheelchair yeah but people I read pe- lately people are like they're sick of him they want him to go away they want him to kill him they're just like. Yeah. I had no idea. I thought he was the lovable little professor. Everybody liked him. But no, apparently there's a whole undercurrent of people that don't, don't like him. There's probably a freaking web ring about it. <laughs> a web ring? Wow, what is it, 1998? <laughs> yes, it is. Anyway, Talking um, about the X-Men again, apparently it is. <laughs> so um, uh, Cyclops, Madrox thing, I feel like that was Forge. I don't feel like Cyclops. I feel like Forge didn't divulge what the effect <laughs> of Madrox would have been. I don't feel like it's a completely I Cyclops' fault. I think you're sticking fault. up for your boyfriend. I might be. Um, and then finally, um, he likes he likes Forge too, though. I do like Forge. That's I love true. Forge. Forge is great. Yeah, but um, if there's a choice between the two, clearly he's giving he, Rose to Cyclops. Again, I feel like Scott there's a, just there's a gave reason for that. Forge a mission, and, yeah. and Forge was just doing his. He yeah. did, they didn't. Scott didn't tell him how. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to know. Just job. make it happen. Yeah. So right, uh. and, and he made some choices. Yep. So and uh, X uh, X Men Emperor Vulcan. I am reading it, and I do agree it is very very good, and it's kind of um, redeeming the. And I feel as if that would have been the storyline had they not been going into Messiah Complex. I feel like that would have been like the next arc, but we get it in a mini series and it's been good. So awesome. So go check that out. Pick it up. Okay. If you have any more questions about Scott Summers, you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com. I, I hope the, that uh, there's no X-Men in the voicemails, but before that, uh, <laughs> we wanted to say that we're sponsored by Netflix. We have over 75,000 titles, no late fees, free shipping both ways, uh, fast delivery in the little red envelopes that we love so much. Uh, plans starting at four ninety nine, and there's a two free two week trial if you go to www.netflix.com slash ifanboy alright so on to the voicemail so our uh, first voicemail needs some advice hey ifanboy this is Kyle from Northern California and uh, for quite some time now I've been desperately poor and uh, unable to buy issues except for you know occasionally here and there I would you know spend some money on a one-shot, which the last time I did was a huge mistake. And now I'm suddenly having a little bit of extra pocket change. I'm wondering, what are some good monthly issues that I should check out? Something I'd like, I can jump right into. Uh, it doesn't have to be one-shots. It can be ongoing series. So thanks for your help. Have a good one. Love the show. Bye. Wow. <laughs> 
We, uh, it's like walking to a car dealership and asking where they know if they know where to buy a car. <laughs> I need to get somewhere, and I think I need some wheels. And can you recommend something? <laughs> I'm here hungry, and I want to know where I can get some food. <laughs> we need a little more specifics, Kyle. Like, what what are you into? What did you? What one shot did you? Were you burned by that you didn't like? We want to help, and of course, you just listened to forty some odd minutes of us talking about the week's worth of comics. Did anything there tickle your fancy? Um, a lot of new series in there. Yeah, um, but in, in the meantime, go to ifanboy.com and and look at the talk conversation there. Go to the forums and ask, hey, what should I be reading? And and have some of the people in the forums answer it. But if you want us to give you advice, we need a little more info. Like, what do you like? What do you don't like? That sort of thing. Yeah, at the forums is a nice recommendation thread right at the top of the forum. Yeah. And you can look through that, and then you know if you want more stuff from there, you go from there. But uh, you know you got to You got to What do you like? What are you doing? What are you? What are you into? You know. So, what's your sign? Oh wait, I'm oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, our next voicemail asks a question about a blast from the past. Hi, this is Sam from Wisconsin, and I have a question about the Star Wars comics. Uh, I'm a new listener to the podcast. But uh, over the last month, but I haven't heard anything any of you guys talking about the new uh, the Star Wars comics that have been coming out. So I just been wondering what your opinion on is on them. All right, thank you very much, and bye bye. So why don't any of us buy Star Wars comics? You know, I thought about this and recently uh, because Dark Horse is just cranking those Star Wars comics out like no tomorrow. Um, I used to read a lot of Star Wars fiction and comics in the 90s yep. and stuff like that, and I kind of went overboard, and then the prequels really left a bad taste in my mouth, and then I've just kind of stayed away. Yep. Yeah. I capped all my Star Warsing after the Zahn novels. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I didn't the, – the, the last Star Wars novel I read was the one before the one where Chewbacca died because I refused to read the one where Chewbacca died. Um, I stopped before that, and I read and I read. I, I was reading the comics into the late '90s, early 2000s, and and really the last ones I've read were the the Tag and Bink ones because um, those were kind of funny. But yeah, um, but I hear good things, so maybe we'll check it out. Maybe the uh, the time enough time has passed. But what was that first <laughs> miniseries in the in that midnight midnight? Uh, Dark really, Empire, Dark that, Empire. That was so good. That was really good. Yeah. So I I feel like I've had enough Star Wars. Yeah. No, I don't. I still. Like, I, I, I don't at all. Every time I see the movies really? on. Once a day, at least on TV, and I watch at least part of them. Yeah, no, I still have, I still have my fondness, but I, but I don't want to, I, I, I don't want to, like, I want to, I want to be excited for it again. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I, I, I am like, Ron. If he's on, all the lines that are going on as the movie's happening. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, well, it helps that we speak in Star Wars dialogue yeah. too, like when it's, it's not appropriate. Not from our lives as much as you may think. It's yeah. Sort of, oh, it's, yeah, it you do too, Josh. There. You're there. I mean, what case no, in point? I do. I, what I'm saying is, case in point, what exists already is enough for me. I don't want a bunch of B minus Star Wars stories. Well, yeah, but the thing, but the thing is, is that uh, like with anything, I mean, it's a franchise and it's churning out. And there could be something really, really good. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't checked it out yet. But I mean, you know, I don't know how interested I am in the in the Clone Wars stories and the Knights of the Old Republic stories and the post, you know, Jedi stories. I don't know, but I'm not discounting that it might not be good because I've enjoyed it at one time. And they have a lot of the old names that used to work on the Star Wars comics on it again, which is really kind of cool. I don't know. See, for me, it's like the Simpsons, like seasons one through eight is all I need. I'm happy with that. I don't want anything more after that. Yeah. That's enough. I can go with the information that's in that. I get that vibe. I, I, I hear you. We're all fine here. We're fine here. How are you? How are you? 
Okay. All right. Uh, so if you want to if you want to call us and talk and tell us that we're missing the boat on Star Wars, you can call and leave a voicemail at one eight 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 fanboys. That's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. So last week we mentioned um, that we had a little bit of a giveaway going on. If you took our survey, if you go to ifanboy.com forward slash survey, we we're just uh, gathering some information about our audience um, to help us help you. And um, we've had a great response. So thank you to everybody who's filled out the survey and entered it. But um, but it's not all of you. In fact, uh, I know for a fact that there's still several thousand of you who haven't gone to ifanboy.com forward slash survey and taken it. So um, if you go there, answer. It's really brief. Couple, you know, just five minutes of your time to answer some questions. If you leave, if you leave your email and your email's not connected to your answers, it's the, the survey's totally anonymous. Um, but if you leave us your email, you'll be entered in a um, in a drawing to win an ifanboy fun time prize pack. pack prize pack. I've already been gathering objects from around my apartment. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> So, um, head What's o- this USB dongle for? <laughs> I don't want this. So head over to ifanboy.com forward slash survey and take the survey today. Thank you. Since we started talking about this a little earlier, I calculated it would take Ron about three weeks to run here. <laughs> and so I've decided that we're going to do the live holiday show at Jim Hanley's on December 28th. And I'm going to get there um, right as it starts, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm gonna have a full beard. I'm gonna have a full beard, like like Forrest Gump. <laughs> Hottest Gump. And you'll you'll seem very simple. Um, I haven't read books. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> He's reading during the show. I just put these off the shelf. Uh, we're going to Jim Haley's Universe on December 28th at 8 p.m. We're going to do a live show. Uh, that's between Christmas and New Year's, so people have got time off. We figured it's a good time to come down. Um, and God, who wouldn't want to look at us in person? I know I would. <laughs> um, and there'll be more details about that on the website as we get closer. Yeah, if you go to ifanboy.com, there's a post in red about December news and notes, and that's where you can find all the info about the live show and the party after the live show as well as the survey. Yes. And the holidays are coming, so if you want to pick up some items for your loved ones, why not go to ifanboy.com slash store where you can see our all-media picks, including not just comics, but also movies and video games and crap like that. Plus, there's the books from the video shows we've got on there, as well as an Amazon little search engine you can use to search for your uh, gifts, and you can uh, indirectly help out the show by not spending one extra penny. Amazon is uh, great. I've well, done all my holiday shopping on Amazon. So, um, yes, Amazon.com. I mean, myfanboy.com slash store. <laughs> don't just tell them to go to Amazon.com. They don't need that. Uh, but uh, to get there, you you would first have to go to ifanboy.com where you would be able to read uh, the Pick of the Week review, which goes up every Wednesday night or very early Thursday morning. Um, and then there's all sorts of posts and stuff that we're getting up there for you and, and fun stuff to talk about and argue about and things like that. So go there. And if you like the audio, our audio podcast, you might like our video show. Um, every Saturday on ifanboy.com, uh, you can see the new episode of ifanboy, the video podcast, or you can go to revision3.com forward slash ifanboy and see the um, and see the video show. Last The one that came out yesterday on Saturday was our kind of our look at um, uh, the fourth wall of things. Um, I can see you. I can see you. It's a fun the listener right now. <laughs> and then, um, and then our our show coming up next week actually would help you with your holiday shopping. And so you can watch the video show next Saturday, and then go to ifanboy.com forward slash store. Check it out. And while you're at forward slash store, you can pick up some ifanboy t-shirts from jinx.com. That's also at slash ifanboy. You can uh, get some holiday ifanboy t-shirts. They're not actually designed for the holidays, but they would look good in the holidays. They make a perfect stock holiday pictures and your family pictures. There is some uh, red in it. Yes, and 
Well, if you send, if you take a picture in your your family's holiday picture wearing the shirt, send it to iFanboy.com. Oh, that's a genius that. idea. Oh, my God. Okay, if anybody takes their family holiday picture and you're wearing the iFanboy.com t-shirt in your family's holiday picture, send it to us. You're going to get something special. Yes. I'll take it. Also, if you send it to Jinx.com, you can get free stickers. And so. send it to Jinx.com and send it to us. Send it to both of them. We want if you were to send it to us, though, you would, you would send it to uh, contact at iFanboy.com. Or you could call us and, and warn us that it's coming because it's a big upload because you're sending us an 8 meg file from your new digital camera. That's a, It's a 12 megapixel camera that you got for Christmas from your aunt who you gave an iFanboy t-shirt. And she was like, what the hell is this for? But you would leave that voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697, as if it's not seared on your brain already. <laughs> and you could, if you take that picture, you can go to Flickr and put it up there, or you can put it on your MySpace profile, or on your Comic Space, or your Verb, or your Facebook site. And iFanboy's there too. You can go to MySpace.com forward slash iFanboy, ComicSpace.com forward slash iFanboy, Verb.com forward slash iFanboy, and Facebook, just search for iFanboy, and um, Twitter.com forward slash iFanboy. Uh, and you can see all of our fun stuff in the cyber world. The net. Uh, it's all over if, the net. <laughs> if you like the stuff in the cyber <laughs> world and you like the show, you can write a review at iTunes, uh, review the show, this one, or also the video show. We, we like when that, we can see some feedback. And better than that, you can tell your friends, tell your comic book store buddies, tell your owners, tell your um, parole officer, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of your parole officer, <laughs> if, if, uh, if you've recently gotten away with a, a heist... And you, you find yourself with, with bags and bags of loot that you have to find some way to, to launder or you need charitable, do, charitable donations. We're not really a charity, but still. You could send it to uh, us at ifanboy.com slash donations if you have a little change you want to uh, try to keep the show running. And, uh, we thank would you. appreciate that it. That would be good. Yay. Yay, the holidays Yay. are coming. Yay. Um, all right, cool. Well, uh, it was a good week. It was a good show. I want to thank you guys for for coming for showing up and and coming on the show. I really appreciate it. What the, who the hell are you, Jay? Oh, what is this? Get your running shoes on, buddy. We're gonna start stretching those hammies out. I'm three miles, and I don't think it was a good idea. I'm somewhere in Nevada. I don't know where. I think my I'm... cell phone battery died a long time ago. I had to panhandle money to call. I think I'm on I-80, maybe I-70. I don't know anymore. They all look the same. Connor, come get me. I think it's a coyote. Run. Because I'd call Connor because Josh wouldn't come get me. Josh would be like, I'm busy. I'm cooking. He always calls when I'm making dinner. <laughs> All right. So I got to get running. So until next week, I'm Ron. <laughs> and I'm cooking. <laughs> You're on the road. Wave to Ron. <laughs> but don't pick him up. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> no. drive behind him, make him run faster. Honk. Beep, beep. <laughs> beep, beep. <laughs> Just yell, you're going the wrong way. <laughs> really? Yeah, turn around. Thank you. <laughs> he goes back. This is Mexico. <laughs> I'm going to New York to break into public television. <laughs>
It's the most random scene in the whole Muffin movie when they pull up on Big Bird. <laughs> We're going to Hollywood. No, thank you. I'm going to New York to make to the public house. <laughs> <sighs> mm. All right, then. <laughs>